Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I'm Dan. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, and I don't know how to follow up you not making some stupid pun to open the show. So, how are you? I'm just wonderful. It's it's another week. Uh, Probably the most special week of the year for me, as it is Independence Day, uh, and not for the reason of I Love America, it is for the reason that I had Independence Day on a 24-hour loop on my computer, uh, watched it in 4K, and also watched uh, a round of Jaws, so uh, I, I had nice. a good movie weekend in that respect. I had a good weekend of uh, petting my dog and letting her know that the fireworks weren't coming to get her. We actually, I don't remember hearing any fireworks, so I, I think we're remote enough that no one near us sets them off. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't that fortunate, apparently, so. What was it? Just like the, the county, or like the, the town being like, alright, it's fireworks time, and then sets them off in like the middle of the street yeah. or something? Something like that. Um, I worked a lot this week. I fucking, so... We're not supposed to be getting, like, a lot of extra overtime because of COVID. Because they say, like, oh, business is, is going to be down because of COVID. Which, it's not. It's it's way the fuck up. So yeah, we're not supposed to get any... to be home and work on yeah. projects. Uh, so we're not supposed to be getting any overtime past our allotted 48 hours. Um, but my boss took the week off. Uh, leading up to the fourth, so I had to work thirteen days uh, consecutive. Jesus. Um, and so whenever uh, we submitted payroll, I was at sixty-six point nine hours. Uh, so I'm. They might bitch about that. I don't know what the fuck else I was supposed to do, but there's nothing you can do when someone yeah. goes off and they're a manager. You kind of have to do. You know, you, you, their responsibilities have to get filled somehow. Yeah. Uh, I had a good week, though. I feel like uh, I did a pretty good job. And this is like my first uh, time really running the show on my own mm -hmm. for an extended time. So I feel like I learned a lot and uh, learned a lot about the kind of manager that I want to be. So it was good. It was a positive experience. What kind of manager do you want to be when you grow up, little boy? <laughs> I'm going to be Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, let's see, what did I do all week outside of the, the obvious 4th of July festivities? Not much. Uh, Ashley still has me watching Real Housewives. Like I, I actually watched three episodes Yuck. this week, which uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, they were okay. I'm getting to Real Housewives talk, and we're probably gonna move into What's Your Swill. So if you want to hear What's Your Swill, just skip ahead to this, to that. But uh, here here's Real Housewives talk. So, uh, there's this arc in season three called Scary Island, uh, and it's where uh five five uh members of the cast, there's seven total members, uh, go to St. John's in the Caribbean or the Caribbean, however you want to say it, uh, and one of them proceeds to have a complete mental breakdown while she's there. And they're all trying to, like, understand what she's doing, understand what's going on. Uh, she is antagonizing and then just being like, no, you're antagonizing me. What are you doing? It's terrifying, puzzling, and entertaining. Uh, so... It's it, oh, it's it's magical television. It, it's such trash and such garbage, but man, is it just like? Well, actually, not not for this, because like they were supposed to be on vacation. I wa- I'm watching this and I'm like exhausted, so I can only imagine what they're going through as as they're experiencing this through their day, like their four day or six day weekend or whatever their vacation is. In, instead of relaxing, they have to deal with women screaming at them the entire time. <laughs> Uh, so with that, uh, with that uh, thing that I talked about, let's uh, cut over into what's your swill. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. Uh, I'm drinking my wife's white wine. It's a Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, she got it at a local like farm market store thing interesting deli kind of i don't know it's a cute little store i haven't been there yet she's been there a couple times i also have some savion blanc uh but i mainly reserve it for cooking so because it's it, that's your nice dry white wine that you let reduce and yeah. flavor things i like uh i like a good dry white i don't like sweet wines but and i can't drink red wines because uh Sulfites, and I have like uh, a mild allergy to them. Oh yikes! That like makes my uh, like throat start to seize up, and it causes me to be in severe pain for like two to three hours. So I don't, I don't deal with that. That sounds wonderful. Good God! It really isn't. Uh, certain beers do it too. Like sometimes I'll be sipping a beer and just be like, nope, can't have this. <laughs> and uh, so, I don't know. That's why I drink, like, part of it's just being white trash, but, like, that's also why I drink a lot of just, like, domestic shit. Because mm-hmm. it, like, I know it's not going to fuck me up because it doesn't have any ingredients that have taste. That's fair. Uh, well, I'm drinking, uh, Ashley bought, a bunch of hard seltzer from the brand Truly, uh, and I am drinking their mango or mango flavor, uh, and it's actually the best hard seltzer available uh, that I've had because I've had like three or four versions of hard seltzer, and I can tell you that they're all garbage. Uh, this is not. This is actually drinkable. It tastes like mango. I feel like it's actually somewhat refreshing. Do they make non-alcoholic White Claw yet? I don't know. <laughs> there was a 
they did a bit about that on Welcome to Night Vale. It was like, uh, this next segment's brought to you by White Claw's new line of non-alcoholic alcoholic seltzer beverages. Like, sometimes you want a refreshing seltzer, but you don't want to consume alcohol for reasons that are never anyone else's business. So, I got a chuckle out of that. Yeah. Welcome to Night Vale is interesting. It's an interesting podcast. It took me a while to get into it, but once I got into it, I got really into it. Yeah, that was the same for me. And then I got out of it because they didn't release as frequently as I expected, so I was like, eh, fuck it. Yeah, they do, like, periodic breaks that last for several months, and they then they'll do three more episodes and take a three-month break. Mm. Although, uh, like, I've also been listening to the show called The Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society uh, for quite some time, where they talk about, like, old radio serials, and they'll, they'll like, play the old radio episode and then discuss it. Uh, so I got, like, really into old radio mysteries and mm-hmm. like Night Vale in certain episodes really reminds me of that. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's an interesting wheelhouse. You're covering like old serial like radio serials and then like podcast like audio drama podcasts are basically just the new form of audio serials. And then you have books which yeah. are just uh you know written podcasts. <laughs> yeah. And then there's uh, YouTube, which is just podcasts with uh, people's faces. And then you've got uh, radio, which is free podcasts. <laughs> free podcasts that you get through your car. The, the, yeah. That the only way you can get it is through your car. <laughs> so you have to spend thousands of dollars to get it. All right. Well, uh, with that, let us take a journey over into some news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Uh, Never Have I Ever was renewed for a second season. Yes. Uh, Hooray? Yeah, that's a pretty good show. The guy that's Alexander Hamilton is Cracker Jack Sugarman. We're recording. Oh, I thought you'd see, you'd see the up. I'm sorry. I assumed you weren't recording. We're recording. I'm I'm glad your girlfriend has no respect for me. Get going. Zip it. <laughs> this fucking woman. She she comes <laughs> that uh Zip it is in reference to uh Kelly Ben Simone, uh the the woman who had the me- the mental breakdown uh at Scary Island. Uh, that's all she would say the entire week was zip it. Uh basically, so when a problem comes along, you must zip it. Whoosh, zip it good. This woman's watching fucking Hamilton right now. And she comes in to tell me that the guy playing Hamilton uh, voiced uh, Cracker Jack from uh, BoJack. It's like, I don't, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't care. You could just say it's Holden. I know it's not Holden. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Never Have You Ever. Yeah, it's a good show. Uh, I'm excited to see the second season to it. Uh, hopefully, uh, they get a new narrator. Not that I don't like John McEnroe, but I think it'd be interesting if they got, like, a different person to narrate the show. Yeah. Like, Michael Bolton. Man, I do want to watch Hamilton. I'm just, I'm a big fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda, and he plays Alexander Hamilton, so. Like my 
thing with uh, Breaking Bad. I'm waiting for the hype to blow over before I watch this thing. Yeah. Because I, I can't deal with something if it's so universally praised. I have to, like, wait until, like, the praise dies away and then I never hear about it. And then I'm like, okay, now I'll watch this thing. Be like, oh, look, all of you were right. Our next story is that uh, Netflix has spent $50 million in order to acquire Aaron Sorkin's trial of set the Chicago 7. Uh, this is supposed to be a big Oscars player, so as opposed to spending $200 million on The Irishman, uh, they they spend a much more reasonable $50 million on uh, an Aaron Sorkin piece, which will most likely do much better than The Irishman. Yeah? Uh, I don't know. It seems fine, I guess. Uh, the Kaminsky method has been re- renewed for a third and final season. To not to sound like a jackass, but I, I've been waiting to see like what the shelf life is on this show because like Alan Arkin is uh, ninety, I think, or like approaching ninety. So I've been wondering like how much longer we have with these characters because of his age and Michael Douglas's age and just the age of everybody because they're all so old. Yeah, they're. They're getting up there. It's something you say about somebody when they're turning 40, not when they're fucking 90. <laughs> also, uh, I never realized it, but Alan Arkin played J.D. Salinger on BoJack. Oh, yeah, he did. What a champion. All right, and uh, finally, we have a, a wrap-up uh, of announcements and such. So uh, Ava DuVernay and Colin Kaepernick will create a series called Colin in Black and White, which will be based on Colin Kaepernick's life, mainly through high school. Uh, Charlie Kaufman's directed uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things will premiere on Netflix on September 4th. And Ozark has been renewed for... Eh, Ozark has been renewed for a fourth and final season. Is there anything you care about amongst that list? No. Was Colin Kaepernick the dogfighting guy? No, that's Michael Vick. Well, who's Colin... Oh, Colin Kaepernick was the kneeling... Yeah. Sports boy. Yeah, okay. He, he kneeled and everyone was like, look at him being unpatriotic. But he was like, let me talk to a soldier and figure out if I should be kneeling or what. And the soldier was yeah. like, yeah, you should kneel. And yeah. Because, you know, in a way, kneeling was the most patriotic thing that he could do. But, but privileged uh, white people know better than him. It's true. And also, you have people who are former veterans, like I never knew for the flag, and then they all have that same Twitter picture, which is them from like the one side with sunglasses on and a goatee, and maybe a baseball <clears throat> cap. And you're like, ah, the trademark picture of a racist. Yep. I don't know if you have a firmly held opinion that you feel like you need to complain about on social media. Maybe you should just think about it for a minute and maybe go fuck yourself instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, now, now, uh, last of us two saga has continued. Uh, this time they're making death threats to Laura Bailey, the voice actress for, uh, uh, the character that, uh, is muscular. The, the female oh, character good. is muscular. So they, they said like, we're going to kill you and your baby. And it's like, ah, good. People are yeah. a fucking cesspool. I bet. Uh, I bet they're also threatening to rape her. I'm sure that exists too, but I I didn't really look at the look at the uh, tweets because I was just like, well, this is horrible, and all of these people should probably go to jail. 
Yeah, why don't we start prosecuting shit like that? Uh, because the internet and anonymity, Caleb. Even though everyone's phone number and email is already hooked up to their fucking Twitter account. So, mm-hmm. we can we, we know who's doing this, we just refuse to. Yeah. And Twitter will never fucking give the people's information to the authorities because they make too much money off of fucking keeping idiots on there. Yeah. So fuck you, Twitter. Do something about this. this is, that's actually fucking disgusting. All right, with that uh, talk of The Last of Us, let's talk about some trailers that came up in Downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Our first trailer is for Mucho Mucho Amor, The Legend of Walter Mercado, uh, an astrologer who was on TV, and um, people liked him a lot. Yeah. Apparently, uh, he, he was very famous. Uh, I don't remember this person at all. And then um, he disappeared when the world needed him most. <laughs> uh, and then the, then the Scorpio Nation attacked. <laughs> Only Walter Mercado, master of all astrological science, could bring balance. <laughs> oh, fuck. And then his girlfriend becomes the moon. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> this is a documentary about a, a person's life that you might be aware of their existence. I don't. I don't think he was ever like super popular in the United States. So, or maybe he was, and I'm too young to remember. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like Lin Lin Manuel Miranda's around our age, and he remembers him fondly. And I'm just like, who? Also, I probably wouldn't have paid attention because uh, astrological signs are bullshit. Yeah. Man, now I'm wondering how old Lin-Manuel Miranda is. I uh, I have this weird thing where I feel like all celebrities are older than me because like they've done successful things with their lives. So, so like, I assume that they're on a longer time frame than me. Sure. Uh oh, he's forty. I thought I thought he was way closer to my name in my age. So no, he's old. He's getting up there. Yay! Our next trailer is for Speed Cubers. This is about uh people who solve Rubik's cubes really fast, and uh, about two unlikely friends who are rivals. Uh, this looks like a feel good documentary. Uh, and that's about it. Yeah. Um. It sure is a thing that I won't watch. Yeah, that's correct. All right. Mm. Uh, our next trailer is for The Fatal Affair. This stars uh, Nia Long and Omar Epps, a.k.a. the guy that sort of looks like, looks like Mike Tomlin. Yeah, he sort of looks like him. Uh This is about a woman who almost cheats on her husband and then says that she's not going to and the guy is like no i'm gonna follow you around because you owe me sex now i guess it's the incel movie yeah yeah the the shorter chubbier guy didn't get the girl and he chases her around going re yeah it looks okay 
Uh, so long as it's ninety minutes, I can I can stomach this. But if it's much longer than that, uh, fuck no. I I think I'm trying to start to learn from uh, yeah. the last days of American crime. I don't need ninety minutes of or like two and a half hours of fucking pure garbage. Just give me ninety minutes. Our last trailer is for Father Soldier Son, uh, which is a documentary from New York Times. Uh, this is about uh, a family and the impact that um, service in the United States Army took on the family. Um, I don't know. I When this trailer started, I was really worried that it was like going to be like pro-military, like pro-America propaganda, the movie. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but now I'm not sure that that's the case like it seems like it's something else so i don't know it, it looks fine yeah uh the the thing cuz you probably only watched a, a minute and a half of this trailer but uh the thing is at one at, like towards the end you see that he loses a leg mm-hmm. so uh he's definitely very much beaten down by the whole system uh and feels like n- nothing he did was worth it like in terms of serving, which is interesting. I never like I never kind of expected it to go in that kind of direction. Like it always seemed like, oh, military family, everything's gonna be fine, and then you see it's not fine. Yeah. Uh, that said, will I watch this? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. Um, let's segue right into quick hits, where we talk about things that we already have watched. Uh, so I watched Mucho Mucho things, uh, starting with The Night Clerk. Uh, this is a 2020 movie starring Ty Sheridan, aka Kid from uh, fuck what? Oh, uh, Ready Player One. Uh, he's the main character, of Ready Player One. Uh, Anna De Armas, and that's about it. And oh, uh, also, uh, what the hell's his name? John Leguizamo. So. Uh, it's it's basically a movie about a, a hotel night clerk who is on the autism spectrum, uh, played by Ty Sheridan, who witnesses a murder because he sets up a lot of peeping Tom cameras in hotel rooms at the hotel he works at. Uh, so he he gets this footage of this of this camera or like this murder, uh, and then he freaks out and uh, you know goes back in, then is sort of implicated for the murder, but isn't. And it's uh, a very aimless movie that tell that says nothing about anything whatsoever. Like there's no point to this story. I never felt like the kid was in danger at any point. Uh, I, I I don't know what this movie was about. I originally rated it two and a half. Uh, I dropped it down to a two. It's it's not a good movie. It's not even worth your time. Uh, it's uh, it's at certain points well made, but at other points it's just like eh. I don't care. Like it's it's ninety minutes. Like you could do worse with your time, but like uh, fuck it. It's it it doesn't say or do anything. It just is. Okay. Uh, next up, we started watching Avatar: The Last Airbender, so expect a rabbit ears on that at some point in the future. Uh, but we got through the first four episodes. She seems into it, and she wants to keep going. So we'll keep on trucking along. Uh. She hasn't, Ashley hasn't said anything funny regarding it yet, so uh, 
when when something funny happens, I'll be sure to let everyone know. And uh, finally, I watched The Guest again. Now, uh, I originally watched it with Corey for a uh, short-lived series called Trade Off that uh, never got off the ground. But uh, The Guest is basically a soldier comes to this small town uh, somewhere in America uh, to uh, basically tell this family that uh, the son that, that they lost in the war is, uh, you know, his final wishes of like him wanting to take care of uh, the family. So uh, he takes care of the family. I won't get into it more than that, uh, but it stars Dan Stevens and Mike Monroe. And Dan Stevens is so good. He is so good in this movie. He is so charming. Uh, and he is uh, hes very layered, his character. I don't want to give it away, but uh, everything that Dan Stevens does is uh, pretty pretty awesome. Uh, there's also a synthwave score, which I know gets mega points for like the 80s nerds. And uh, there's this sequence that takes place during a uh, a haunted maze that is shot so beautifully. It is it is just fucking gorgeous, man. But I recommend the guest. Uh, I give it three and a half stars, and that's it. Watch the guest. It's on Netflix again. That's uh, also uh, Corey and I were talking about this, and that's what inspired me to watch it. But he he said that Dan Stevens should be the next James Bond. Should they pursue that? All right. Uh, what do, what do you have? friend uh i finished watching jojo's bizarre adventure stardust crusaders uh so now i have watched all of jojo's bizarre adventure that is currently on netflix uh so this is the last time you'll hear me talk about it until those cowards decide to add uh diamond is unbreakable and then i'll watch all of that and talk about it so yeah this is uh like I've talked about before, this is about, um, you know, a, a team of like basically superheroes going to track down the, the immortal vampire, uh, evil bad guy, uh, and his team of henchmen, uh, and battling against them using their psychic fighting ghosts, Mm -hmm. um, called stands. Uh, so they go through like each, like the, the thing, with this part of the season is like every episode pretty much is a like a two parter like a two or three parter so like they just have like these really uh like drawn out battles so they like really show off the flashiness of everything and like uh, a lot of it's really creative like it's like all the stands have different abilities so uh they can do some really interesting things with it there's one guy who's like a gambler and he uses his stand to like turn people's souls into poker chips. Oh, which is so neat. it's like Yu-Gi-Oh and shit. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so like he uh his whole deal is like, you know, if it's only cheating if you get caught. So like they they have to bet their soul and try to figure out, you know, how he's trying to cheat them. Uh, and like some of them end up getting turned into poker chips and then like one of them eventually wins and like releases the rest of them. But, um, and then a few episodes later, that guy's little brother comes and rather than being a gambler, uh, he challenges them all to, uh, video games. And if they can't beat him at video games, he steals their soul uh, and turns them into like a marionette puppet. And it's fucking horrifying. Huh. Uh, so they have like the whole fucking, uh, 
thing where he's like, I'm a master video game player, which means I'm a master at life. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty great. But uh, like I said, they do a lot of creative stuff with it. Um, of course, they get to the end and they have to face Dio, who is, uh, he was also the villain in part one. Um, and he, he took over uh, the main character's great-great-grandfather's body, I guess. So it's like his vampire head on like this super jacked like fucking dude's body, uh, which is interesting. I don't know. Dio's a really cool villain. Like during the first half, like they had some close calls, but like uh, uh, they like everybody made it to the end. Uh, but like they, they do incur some losses in this part of the season. Um, I don't want to go spoilery cause like I am going to recommend this, but, um, yeah. like all, all of them are very sad. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They actually like the, the characters are actually like interesting and well-developed and like, uh, they kind of telegraph it from a mile away because, like, a character's like, it'll do a flashback to their childhood and, like, they'll kind of give them, like, this is why I have to fight Dio and this is why I have to win and survive. And it's like, well, I guess he's going to die in the next five minutes. So, uh, but the final battle uh, between Jotaro and Dio is uh, fucking amazing and it's very... It's it's like probably it takes place over like four episodes, uh-huh. uh, and it's it's very good. So, so what you're saying is not Dragon Ball Z levels of fights in terms of length. Yeah, not really. Um, they do like the the build up is worth the payoff though. Like they they don't rush it, and like they both like between Jotaro and Dio, like, they both have points where they could win, you know? And then, like, the other one, like, flips it around, and, you know, the battle starts going back the other way, so... Uh, I don't know, it's it's really interesting. Like I said, they, uh... It's really clever, really well-written. Uh, this is the third, like, world-ending threat that has been dealt with in a season of this show. It's like, uh, I guess in part four, it's just about them trying to track down a serial killer. So that'll be an interesting departure when inevitably that comes to Netflix. So, right. Cause, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of burnt out on the whole end of the world storyline in general. So no, that makes sense. End of the world stuff is, uh, I mean, if everything ends the world, nothing will. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Netflix. Get the rights for Diamond is Unbreakable. Uh, because in that part, all of the stands are named after classic rock songs. And I want to watch it in the original Japanese so I can hear people scream, uh, Kira Queen bites the dusto. That's it. That's the whole story. Um, thank you. Goodbye. Okay. Well, uh, with that, let's uh, hop 
into a quick break, and when we come back from that, we're going to talk about the rebooted season of Unsolved Mysteries. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast, Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast, the IMDb Journey podcast, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, it's time to get into our main topic for the week. Unsolved Mysteries. The rebooting. Uh, so... Before we start, how familiar were you uh, were you with Unsolved Mysteries? Did you watch it as much as I did as a child? Uh, I watched it quite a bit, so. Good. Yeah, uh, I was talking to Ashley about it, and she just was like, I, I, this is the first Unsolved Mysteries I've ever seen. So I was like, well, we have to remedy this situation. So, of course, we went to uh, Amazon Prime, which currently has it on their IMDb TV thing. Because you have to have streaming services within streaming services. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's that. Uh, what did you think of this iteration? Uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's as good as I remember the show being. Instead of doing a bunch of short form mysteries, like each episode mm-hmm. is one in-depth like case file. Uh, and doing it hostless is interesting. Um, but it's fine. I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, I also enjoyed it. I um, I I won't say I find it as entertaining as the original run, mainly because I did enjoy watching like four or five mystery. Let them just talk about four or five like real quick mysteries. They didn't go super in depth on it. Uh, but here they go very in depth on uh one an episode and in episode lengths ranging from like thirty six to fifty two minutes and really they don't feel like they're that long at all like it feels like they're engaging enough except for uh one which I'm sure you also had some problems with uh regarding its subject matter but uh, outside of that one like I was engaged the whole time yeah. I don't know. I don't really know how to review this, I guess. Because it's just like, it's a bunch of short documentaries, so. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a bit, that's something to talk about, too, is like, really just talk about the differences. Because, like, the original Unsolved Mysteries is like, dramatizations, basically, of, like, events that happened, with Robert Stack narrating over top of it. And now with Robert Stack being dead, their way was just like, okay, let's just shoot like short form documentaries about like these, you know, mysterious cases because 
they're interesting to us. Like I, I don't know any. I'm not familiar with why they chose these cases in particular, but I don't know. And also, like, even though they're open cases, like for whatever reason, they they can't prove stuff or whatever. But like, all of the ones that they chose are like they seem fairly cut and dry. Like several of them. Yeah, it's like the the last one. Like, oh, obviously the mom is the killer. Right. Or, or like uh, they like the the House of Terror, which I found the most haunting. Uh, that one is pretty open and shut too. It's just that like they can't find where that guy is, or like they can't find that one piece of incriminating evidence. Like, like it's just mm-hmm. like we're almost there. We just need this one little thing in order to get us there. But, uh, but that's also like that's what kind of gives me hope for this show that like they'll actually find the the people in question because like that was the thing with the old like the original incarnation of this show is like it actually led to a lot of like cold cases being solved yeah because people like that show was immensely popular and people would watch it and be like hey that looks like my neighbor and then fucking call the tip line yeah uh, the the one we watched was actually the the first special because it started as a series of specials as opposed to like an actual series that they did weekly. Uh, they they start off with this story about how this guy probably staged a murder to look like an accident, like a horse ri- horseback riding accident, and then like they mm-hmm. like update we caught the son of a bitch and it's like oh awesome like and you felt really good about that because like oh this show is actually helping. So I wonder yeah. if like we'll get something similar to that, like maybe an insert of some kind into the next part, because there is going to be a part two already. Uh, this is being broken up into like short little segments, like six episode segments. So we're going to get six more episodes at some point, probably in 2020. But I'd be interested to see what they do if if something happens to where they're like, hey, here's this person. We found him. Like, or, hey, we found the evidence that we need to... Update. <laughs> Update. We're about to find out who gives a shit about Bigfoot. Update. No one gives a shit about Bigfoot. Which is correct, because Bigfoot was in none of these episodes. Uh, uh, excuse me, Dan. I made that joke on the last episode, so uh, I just wanted to Stealing point out that I, I made that joke previously, and uh, we're now recycling material. Thank you. Okay, Justin. so let's talk about the ufo one let's just get it out of the way there's a ufo episode in this uh and i just i just find it completely unbelievable that that this this thing even happened i i just do like i enjoy watching ufo movies Uh, my favorite movie of all time is about an alien invasion but like i i just have a hard time believing any alien abduction stories whatsoever. Yeah, because they've had 50 years to fabricate these stories and misremember things. So, And also, there's not aliens. Like, everybody in the world has a camera in their pocket, and if aliens were visiting Earth, we would see them literally constantly. Yes. 
we we brought this up in UFO or you a Patreon episode of UFOs blah blah I forget the rest of the title uh, starring Jonathan Frakes the best the best evidence caught on tape right and that's where it stops on tape because then everyone had a digital camera in their fucking pocket at all times so you think someone would pull out their phone and you'd see spaceships everywhere but uh, since then uh, we have way less footage of fucking space aliens ever visiting the planet. Uh, that episode was really boring and not good. Yeah, I was, I thought it was well made, like, at least in a kind of technical direction, but, like, it's also about a story that I don't care about. Like, I'm sure, like, if my mom watched it, she'd be like, oh my god, there's aliens! And I'd be like, oh my god, shoot me in the <laughs> face! Uh-huh. My, my, yeah. my poor dad, who probably watched it with her. Uh, what was your favorite one? Uh, I really liked the House of Terror and the the last one about like the mom who's obviously the killer. Yeah. Um, I mean they they all were pretty good except for the the one that delves into the supernatural for some reason. Yeah, it, it, I mean it's it really is just like a strange thing that they did. Like it, it's like. Murder, 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 UFO, murder. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, mystery on the rooftop. I thought that was interesting. Because it's like, well, obviously this guy jumped. And they're like, no, he couldn't have jumped. Because of all these 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 things. I'm like, okay. And like I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. And then you had like the hairdresser. I'm like, okay. And the House of Terror was just like, all right, what the fuck's go- like for the first five minutes? You're like, what the fuck is like, what what's gonna happen here? Like, I had no idea. I was just like, uh, okay, they're telling us about this family. Like, what? Where? When's the shoe drop? You're like, oh, oh fuck, this is so fucked up. You're not wrong. Yeah, and then uh, then the then then the disappearance of the of the of Alonzo Brooks in uh Lacine County or Lacine town in uh nebraska or something i'm like yeah. yep that that one was pretty hard to watch yeah because you know what happens like yeah it's just they can't you can't prove anything because you know racist and then yeah you have the ufos and you're like what the fuck is going on get get back yeah, to it, the murders it goes from hate crime to ufos and it's just like this is a weird energy to follow this very serious thing with like i think if they restructured it to where the first episode was ufos i'm just like okay i get it like that's fine you're easing us into this thing i get it but then i don't know if they did that there would be people like us though that were just like well i can't take this seriously and wouldn't watch it sure but so they i don't know like i get why they buried that one in there they they left it around like a bunch of memorable ones as opposed to you know starting with it or ending with it because like if you if you end with that one that's that is such a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, and the the Alonzo Brooks one like we know what happened uh, as, as a general consensus. We just don't know who did it. We don't have any evidence. We're just like obviously victim of a hate crime because he was left at the party. Although uh, they talked about this one friend Adam who was at the party, who was with Alonzo the whole time, and I'm like, why aren't we talking to Adam? Where is this Adam character? Bring me Adam. 
And then we never heard from him. And I was like, well, this is upsetting. Yeah, I don't really know what else to talk about with this show. Because yeah, like fair. I said before, it's just a bunch of, like, it's a series of documentaries. So, uh, what are your final thoughts and what would you give Unsolved Mysteries reboot? We, we didn't really talk about it, but, like, I think they did a decent enough job around the fact that, you know, Robert Stack is no longer with us and therefore can't narrate the stories, which kind of lended that gravitas towards the original series in the first place. I think they're all done with a good amount of technical proficiency. I do, like you said, I do think they're a bit too leading. Like, it's clearly telling one side of a story as opposed to trying to present all options. Like, and maybe it is because these cases all have this one concise option. And they just can't find that one piece of evidence. But uh, it, it didn't feel as kind of, like, balanced to me as the original run. Yeah. But it's good. I I like it. Uh, I will go back and watch part two whenever it comes out because, uh, you know, even though it's supposed to be serious and, uh, you know, these are designed to help people, there is a form of entertainment I get out of these. And, you know, uh, the enter- I think the entertainment outweighs any kind of negatives that I have about the UFOs. Okay. Uh, it's a three. This is fine. Okay. Um. I I am interested to see uh if the existence of this show and cuz this is number 1 in the US like all weekend long. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering to see like because of how prolific this is if any uh if there's any traction on any of these cases. So uh we'll see. Yeah, that's the other thing too is like I don't know what cable ratings were looking like for Unsolved Mysteries, but I feel like Unsolved Mysteries might be watched by more people in the U.S. than uh, it ever had at any point. But that's just me talking out of my ass. Alright, well, let's cut into a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about our cautionary tale of Netflix, uh, Priest. Do you piss green after you've eaten vitamins? We certainly do, and therefore you should listen to the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast. Even if you don't piss green, this is something I think you guys will like if you like TV and you like movies. We countdown lists associated with both, as well as offer the occasional review and a number of segments that are random in nature for your enjoyment. Check out the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews on iTunes, Podomatic, or your favourite podcast app. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about our cautionary tale of Netflix for the week. (sighs) Priest. Welcome to Cautionary Tales of Netflix. We're Netflix and Swill. You know, one-star movies are terrible. They'll make you want to gouge your fucking eyes out. And that's what this show is all about. Warning people about the dangers of shitty movies. Priest is a 2011 action horror thriller film directed by Scott Stewart, who you know from directing probably nothing else. Uh, It stars Paul Bettany, you know, Vision, Vision, and fucking... Also, he was in Legion, which is the movie that I always confuse this movie with. Uh Uh, Because that movie came out the year prior, and that's the one with the... Uh, demon ice cream truck guy. Uh, this is the the other uh, shitty Paul Bettany movie uh, where he's a priest with a cross tattooed on his face. And he kills the vampires. 
for the church. Yep. But the church doesn't let him go after the vampires. So he disobeys the church. This is a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb, uh, making it 0.4 stars ahead of Tall Girl. Uh, it's an hour and 27 minutes, PG-13. Uh, do the math there. Yeah, yeah. Um, boy, this movie is uh, hot garbage. Very bad, actually. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, lot of good 2011 CGI vampires that have no weight or you know uh the light doesn't interact with them in any way right reminds me a lot of underworld which is also very bad uh sure carl urban's in this this was before he was judge dread and uh bones mccoy and you know all all that stuff yeah yeah this movie's pretty forgettable, which is probably why most people forgot it. You listed off like eight genres at the beginning, uh, and that is my first question is how many genres are, are this movie? Because dear fucking sweet Jesus, like it wants to be a horror movie, it wants to be an action movie, it wants to be a drama movie, and it's just like hey, you're you're trying too many genres here. Like stick to one, because obviously you're you're not good at even making uh, the one. Because I feel like none of these were anything other than like, oh, uh, it's just a movie that exists. I'm looking at Carl Urban's IMDb page, and uh, he played Cupid in Xena Warrior Princess, and I remember that. <laughs> okay, that's that's impressive. So, fucking Carl Urban in the early earlier days of his career was running around on network television with a diaper on. Yeah. And in this, he runs around with a black hat on because he's a human-vampire hybrid, Caleb. Yeah. In fact, his character name is Black Hat. Because they couldn't even give him an actual name. Yeah, you know, his friend that he was in the priesthood with for many years mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't... He doesn't care enough about to call him by name. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing, is, like, we start this movie with, like, they're just on a mission, and then Carl Urban gets sucked into the sand, and you're like, ah, oh, he's dead. And it's like, well, I don't care. Like, I don't care about any of these characters. I don't care about their relationship. You're just, you've just shoved them into this movie and just been like, here, accept their fate and uh, connect with them. I'm now uh, sending you uh, an image of... Carl Urban as Cupid on Xena. I'm waiting patiently. He's fucking jacked, I'll say that. <laughs> it's some uh, strong 90s hair there. Oh, yeah. The, bleach the, bleach the blonde bleach spiked blonde. up fucking... Yeah. I mean, Carl Urban's always been pretty fit. Yeah. No, that's true. Just, he, he looks... You know, his shirt's off so you actually see it. Fuck, I wish they would have made the rest of the Dread movies that were supposed to follow that movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I honestly don't have much else to say about this movie other than I find Paul Bettany absolutely dreadful. Uh, he, he's trying to do uh, an American accent, I think, and uh, is failing miserably at it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
I guess basic plot of this, like his, he was a priest. Uh, like there's vampires. They they have always been at war with humans. As like an alternate dark timeline where vampires have always been a thing that we've had to deal with, and the vampires have always won. So the church created the order of priests, which are the ultimate weapon against vampires. Uh, and the vampires lost the war to the priests and were put on reservations. Um, and humans, despite having beaten them, uh, pulled their civilization back into their walled cities and like just left the wastelands be. Uh, cause I guess they were irradiated cause uh, they don't say anything about it, but apparently like they tried to nuke the vampires maybe. Um, uh, okay. I missed that part. Well, like at the beginning, uh, cause Paul Bettany's brother is like a settler in the wasteland and like, that's the opening scene they get attacked. Uh, and he's like, Oh, the soil radiation is almost non-existent now. So we can probably start planning. And like healing the world, and then vampires get them, huh? Uh, so the church won't let him go after the vampires that attacked his family and kidnapped his niece. So he goes out on his own on his motorcycle, uh, which is basically a jet engine with handlebars. Yeah, and he he goes and fights them at the hive. Because uh, the vampires in this are essentially the xenomorphs. And then they get to the hive and the other priests that the church sent to kill uh, our main character priest. Uh, most of them are killed by the vampires and the one who isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they don't fight. She's like, hey, I'm here to take you in. And he's like, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. And then they She's- immediately are allies. Yep. Yep. Uh and then and then they're at the hive and investigating the hive and they have to fight the big monster in the hive and then uh that's about where I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's fair. Uh really the only thing that you need to know about that happens afterwards is uh they they succeed. They 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 do it. And then they set up I for I can't a believe sequel. it. They set they set themselves up for a sequel because yeah. uh he he go he goes back to the city. And he throws a vampire head at Christopher Plummer while he's doing a sermon. And Christopher Plummer's like, yo, dog, that's not a vampire. You're a charlatan. And he's like, I'm preparing for war. And then it's like, oh, good. We get the we get Priest 2 Electric Boogaloo. Great. That's exactly what <laughs> I've always wanted. Uh, this is wildly disappointing. Uh, do you remember when we learned about the history of this world in the form of an animated cutscene? Yeah, uh, I was very concerned by that because I'm like, oh, they I'm, just didn't have money to shoot this. I'm fairly certain this was based on the graphic novel or something. Yes, I guess probably. And that's probably why they did that. It doesn't make it a good choice for the movie, no. but it's probably why they did that. No, they need, they, you need to make it a movie for the general audience as opposed to uh, the comic book fans who may or may not even watch this in the first place. Yeah. If you're adapting something into a movie, you shouldn't worry so much about the the source material and just try to make a good movie. They did it with uh, Iron Man, and then it spawned a whole thing. That's all. Yeah. Uh, what would you give Priest? 
It's uh it's a one star movie. Big time one star movie. I guess I guess we technically don't have a lower rating than that, so No. It just I don't know. It's uh like I said, forgettable, which is why it has been forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Okay. Um next week on the show we're going to be uh we're gonna be watching the old guard. Another thing about fucking alternate history is an immortal people, mm-hmm. and Charlize is in it, and I don't really want to watch it. No, oh. mm. but I'm going to, and okay. then I'll complain. Uh, and after that, we're gonna be watching a patron requested review of Starship Troopers. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Ashley. She saw it in my yeah. in my queue. Uh, and have you ever seen it? No, I have never seen it. Oh man, I'm so excited. After this, you'll be able to say I'm doing my part. Well, I I could always say I'm doing my part. It's just like Bill, he's doing his part. Uh, but that reminds me, uh, we only have two responses as of now, uh, if you're a $5 not patron to, uh, to our thread about, uh, picking a movie to watch for this patron review segment. So, uh, if you're a patron at the $5 level, uh, please make sure you go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Netflix and swill and, uh, write down a movie, uh, for in the third quarter segment thing, uh, thread. Uh, and also if you want to become a patron of the show, uh, and give us money to, uh, watch, uh, movies that you may or may not think are terrible. Uh, please do so, because we'd greatly appreciate it. And I want to shout out uh, Duty Dutrum from Shaken Not Nerd for being our latest patron at the $1 level, so he gets to hear all the Fast and Furious talk that is on our Patreon right now. Yes. Tell him stuff about where they can find the show. Netflixandswill.com is the best place to find us, uh, as that will soon be the host for the podcast in the first place. So just go to Netflixandswill.com. You'll find links to all of our social media where you can find the show on like podcatchers like Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's your one-stop shop for all things about our show. All right. And until next week, this is Caleb saying, I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.